0: This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask. How do I grow this thing? On Start at Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey, Renegades, welcome back. Now, today is one of my favorite episodes to date. It has got so much valuable information in it. I know that you're going to love it. I'm interviewing Alyssa Kuchta. She's a jewelry entrepreneur and author of the upcoming book, Follow Your Bliss. She's the founder of FYB, Follow Your Bliss Jewelry, a Brooklyn-based company with a mission to inspire and empower women and girls to follow their bliss through inspirational jewelry and a positive female community. Alyssa started FYB in 2011 when she was a senior in college. Under her leadership, FYB has grown to encompass a network of nationwide retail partners, hundreds of brand ambassadors, and a thriving mentorship program. Her work has been featured in international publications, including Elle, Glamour, Nylon, Huffington Post, and more. There's so much to love about this episode, but I love how real Alyssa gets in talking about her journey. She shares that important people in her life did not think this was a good idea, that doing something so creative wasn't a great path in entrepreneurship. And Alyssa just threw that all aside, knew that this is what she needed to do in life. And she pursued it, not just vigorously, but strategically. And you're going to hear a lot of the really smart decisions that she made along the way. And I think that's going to help you create your own plan for growth in your product or e-commerce business. Now, her book, Follow Your Bliss, is about to come out. It features a curation of timeless wisdom and intimate stories of of grit, adversity, and triumph from 60 trailblazing women spanning U.S. Olympians, CEOs, Grammy award-winning musicians, actresses, musicians, artists, and more. It's available for pre-order on Amazon now. There's going to be a link in the show notes, so make sure you check that out. And now I've done enough intro, so let's get to the actual episode and listen in to Alyssa Kutscha and FYB Jewelry right now. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for
1: having me. I'm so excited.
0: I'm so excited to have you. I don't think that we have had a lot of e-commerce businesses like yours on the show to date. So let's dive right in. You started this business while you were in college. Why? Were you having a hard time finding jewelry that
1: you liked? What was kind of the premise for starting this business? For sure. So I was a student at the University of Delaware, and I was majoring in psychology with a minor in Chinese. Kind of headed on the grad school path. I really didn't know what I wanted to do after graduation, and I experienced what I refer to as a mid college crisis of you know realizing I'm graduating in a year and I don't know what I want to do, and I felt tremendous pressure from my parents. And I really just kind of took a step back and started to do some soul searching. And you know I got involved in organizations on campus. I used to work at a boutique where. You know, we sold jewelry and accessories, and that was always a huge source of inspiration for me. Outside of my courses, I was in a sorority, Sigma Kappa, at Delaware, which largely inspired you know my passion and the mission in my company to give back and inspire and empower women and girls. Um, and I also did a lot of volunteer work. So I think I I took that step back and I realized, you know, why am I feeling unfulfilled? What are my passions? What fulfills me? And kind of had this light bulb moment of if I created a company that you know allowed me to create and be creative and design and also create a community around it and give back, like that would my, be my ultimate passion. And it ended up being jewelry as the path that I chose to follow. So when I started the company, I had never taken a design course. I wasn't a business major. I really had no idea what I was doing, but was really passionate about the concept and just went for it. I created my first collection literally on my bedroom floor in college. Yeah. and I you know, had the support of my sorority sisters and friends on campus to start promoting the line. This is pre-Instagram. This is 2011. So Instagram was becoming a thing. And I took photos of my pieces and shared them on Facebook um, and started to bring awareness that I was creating collections and designing and hosted my first trunk show when I was at school. Okay. So
0: there's so much happening here. It seems like this all happened so fast.
1: When you went to college, what did you want to do with your life? Honestly, I had no idea. And I think that a lot of you know, young girls struggle with this. There's so much pressure to choose your path and have it figured out. You know, I was 17 years old, freshman year of college. I can't even imagine, you know, any 16 or 17 year old knowing what they want to do with their life that young. So I chose psychology as a major because I really enjoyed, I took AP psych in high school, Mm -hmm. really loved it. And I really enjoyed, you know, my major. I was so fascinated. And I think a lot of psychology plays into marketing and growing a brand. I think it's a huge foundation. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think it was a good kind of you know, generalized path to take where you could go to law school, you can go to grad school, you know, you could become a teacher with that, like there's so many different pathways with psychology you can go into marketing. So I chose something that was more general that I can, you know, figure it out after. But ultimately, I realized that, you know, there was a creative void that I was missing. I love that. And I always loved accessories. My mom comes from the medical field. So I think she wanted me to choose a path that was, you know, quote, unquote, more stable. But you know, I think deep in my heart, I always knew I was meant for something more creative.
0: I love that. I think that most people don't go into college, like really knowing what they want to do. It just feels like college is the thing you do, right? It's like the thing you're supposed to do. So you were creating these pieces in your dorm room, you said? Yeah. So So you were doing them yourself. So it's not like you designed them and then outsourced them. How are you like actually physically creating these pieces?
1: Yeah. So when I was just starting out, I was using like a lot of like vintage reworked pieces. My collection has evolved and changed a lot over the last 10 years, but I just kind of, you know, purchased beads. I had chains and I actually had done a study abroad trip the summer before I launched the collection. So I was actually in Germany and Poland doing a study abroad program. And while I was there, I went to all these cool, like the Berlin flea market and these amazing little markets in Poland. And I was purchasing unique stones and pendants. And my very first pieces were made with you know, item that I had sourced from abroad, which was really cool. So it's more like one of a kind. And I was watching YouTube videos on how to wire wrap, how to do beadwork. I really taught myself. And I also think working at that store part-time really introduced me to this world of amazing designers. We carried over 60 different jewelry designers. So I was learning about metals and materials and, you know, I kind of was self-taught and also just observing. I'm very hands-on with creating and you know, I've just kind of designed pieces that I wanted to wear, things that I wasn't seeing, things that were very unique, and just based on my personal style. And then through the years, of course, I have eventually, you know, outsourced our production and our manufacturing. But the first few years, it was actually myself and my mom making all of the jewelry by hand. So, you know, bless her for helping for <laughs> many long nights of, you know, creating hundreds of bracelets together. And, you know, my stepfather was involved. And, you know, it was amazing having their support. And even friends helped me make the pieces early on. It was a lot of like, you know, learn as you go and Mm -hmm. a lot of just kind of Googling, you know, how to.
0: (laughs) Sounds like an amazing support system. So you knew that you wanted to do something more. You wanted to be creative and you're producing these jewelry pieces. And how did you
1: actually get your first customer? Like, where did you start selling? Yeah. So when I was first launching the collection, again, kind of to backtrack. So I had this light bulb moment of following my bliss. And that's actually the name of my brand. It's FYB stands for follow your bliss. And I think it's so important for all of us to take a step back when we're having those moments of, you know, what am I doing with my life? What are my passions? I think a lot of college girls experience this, especially now in today's world, where we're almost overexposed through social media of all these different pathways. And there's so much pressure to like, you know, pick a path that you really care about. And I think a lot of it comes down to introspection. And I think, You know, for myself, taking that time to really step back, why am I feeling this way? And listing out on paper, what are my passions? What are my interests? What are the things that excite me? And kind of piecing together led to this epiphany of, you know, if I started a jewelry company with this mission, that would be my pathway, you know, and getting into entrepreneurship. So the company name is Follow Your Bliss. And that's really my biggest passion within the brand beyond the jewelry is to really inspire and empower others to follow their bliss. And, you know, we do so now today through our mentorship program. Through our meaningful pieces that have different messages on them, meant to inspire, and through the book that I'm actually publishing this November, which we'll get to. Yes, very cool. But yeah, so my first customer. So I photographed the pieces, posted on Facebook. That was, this was all during the summer, and I really was just kind of for fun. I, you know, posted a few quote-unquote selfies, like wearing a necklace, and I, I think I posted a teaser caption like, you know, something exciting is coming soon you know, and I had a lot of friends, I was basically gauging their interests. And I had a lot of people commenting, wow, I love that. Are you selling these? You know, I had so much love and support in the beginning. And that gave me the confidence to, you know, really want to put it out there. So then that fall, when I returned back to campus, this is now my senior year, I did a trunk show with the fashion club and with my sorority. And so I set up a table. This was my very first event ever first time selling. And that night I sold out of everything, which was like beyond incredible. Um, I'll never forget that trunk show. And I always think back to it, even today, like 10 years later, like how much that trunk show really changed everything because, you know, seeing the positivity, seeing girls trying pieces on, complimenting each other, really loving the line made me realize that there is something here and that, you know, I have the ability to really turn this into something amazing. So again, I think starting a company in college was a really unique time because, you know, I was on campus, I was surrounded by my sorority sisters and friends and the student body that really helped me, you know, build awareness for the brand quite quickly, and the ability to do those in-person pop-ups at any time on campus was really cool.
0: So you were going to college, you were paying for your college education. So I'm thinking that means that you want to, you know, go get a job somewhere. At what point did you realize that this wasn't like a side hustle? This wasn't something you were doing for fun. You were becoming an entrepreneur, and you were launching this company in earnest.
1: Yeah. So I think. You know, it's kind of funny. I feel like I once I had this epiphany of this is what I wanted to do. I was so propelled by excitement that, you know, I never even doubted the fact that this could end up being nothing. I always felt in my heart like I have the ability to build a business around this. And you know, my parents were like, "Really? You know, you have studied psychology for four years. We thought you were going to grad school. You're really going to start a jewelry business." You know, a a few of my friends thought I was crazy for not applying to jobs. I just in my heart felt that there was something here. And so I think I knew from the beginning that I really wanted to give it my all, especially after having success growing the brand, you know, through that year that I was still a student building the business, I got involved in the Entrepreneurship Center on my campus, which gave me access to mentors and guidance and resources that really helped me, you know, strategize with a business plan. And I think, you know, by the time I was about to graduate, I really felt this now or never moment, I could always apply for a job, I could always get hired somewhere, I actually had an internship at a PR agency. Um, In between, and they had offered me a job. So I knew I had a backup plan. But I really felt like if I don't try this, if I don't give this my all, when else will I ever have this opportunity to really, you know, take a chance.
0: I think you've said something just really, really insightful there. You knew that you wanted to give it your all. But it sounds like you treated it like a business from the beginning. You went and got mentorship, you put together a business plan. It wasn't like you were just randomly doing pop-ups and kind of hoping that word of mouth was going to kick this thing off and wondering where you know the revenue was gonna come from. You're actually taking very strategic steps early on in making this a viable, scalable business.
1: I think a lot of that too is just getting inspiration from role models that I looked up to. You know, I learned of so many different jewelry designers, and I always thought, if they can do it, why can't I? I always had that mentality. I always had this, like, you know, very fierce confidence toward what I was building. And I think when you are really passionate about an idea, when you're fired up about it, you have this, like, otherworldly, drive to really propel forward and, and you know, laser beam focus on what your goals are. And I think, you know, from day one, the minute I had realized is this is what I wanted to do, I really put my weight into that. And anything else just didn't seem as exciting anymore. You know, grad school or applying for a job, it just wasn't as exciting as this concept of like, you know, the entrepreneurship path and and what it could be. And, you know, I made a lot of vision boards and goal mapping early on that really kept me focused on, you know the excitement of what it was I was working toward and I think that's really important if you have an idea that you know keeps you up at night that you can't stop thinking about it's worth pursuing and so when I was graduating I you know talked to my parents about it my mom you know was very worried and had her doubts but she also knew I you know talked with her and I said I can always apply for a job I have a job opportunity lined up if this was to fail but if I don't give this my all right now I will regret it forever and so When I graduated, I moved back home, saved every penny, every dollar that I made, I reinvested back into the business. And my first big foray into really growing the company was doing the Bryant Park Holiday Shop. So it's a three-month pop-up in uh, midtown Manhattan near the Christmas tree by the ice skating rink. And it was a huge pop-up that I applied for. And that really was what changed the game. Because from doing that market, this was now December, it was October through December of 2012. You know, having my first pop up shop really was like a cute little store, which really Mm -hmm. taught me everything. You know, I was running that store seven days a week. I was commuting from New Jersey on the bus back and forth, coming home at night, creating jewelry, you know, creating collections, running my website, really doing it all. And I look back and I'm like, I don't know how, you know, (laughs) at 21 years old, I survived the hustle of that because it was exhausting. But again, I was so driven by excitement and just my love for the brand and what I was creating. And I think, you know, that experience at Bryant Park really is what helped me grow my email list, meet tons of customers. You have tourists that come in. You know, there are so many, there's so much foot traffic in that area where you're really building brand awareness. And I made enough that season to reinvest back into the business.
0: So I want to ask you something from a logistics perspective perspective, because it sounds like this was an amazing opportunity that was really just kind of a kickstart for your brand. Was this like a serendipitous thing that you came across and you're like, I'm going to try this and I'm going to go all in. Or were you kind of like researching what's the best way to really get a foothold in the business? And you kind of did this as a strategic move?
1: For sure. So I think anyone that has a product based business, especially if it's accessories or something tangible where customers want to try it on, I think it's really important in the beginning to just get out there in person with customers. You know, obviously having a beautiful e-commerce website. and This is also ten years ago, so things have changed a lot with the climate and you know shopping behaviors and using digital and video and, and Instagram to really build a br- awareness for your brand. But I also think it's very important to get in person because there's something special about that customer experience where if they're getting to meet you, they want to meet the founder, they want to hear your story, they want to see what inspires your designs and hear you talk about it, and also try things on. So for me, it was really important to do as many in-person pop-ups as I could to also get feedback. I think like how we've evolved the collections and the line has been so much based on customer feedback and what styles they liked. And a lot of that was because I had that in-person connection of letting them see things in person and try them on. So for me, the Bryant Park Holiday Shop was the ultimate pop-up. You know, it was. It's the busiest time of year in midtown Manhattan where there's tons of foot traffic and applying for that market and getting in was definitely like a huge milestone because, you know, it's very competitive and they only accept a certain amount of brands that apply. There's only a certain amount of booths. So that was definitely like a huge accomplishment getting into that market. Um, and I just knew that having a store there for that for that holiday season would be the ultimate way to get the brand out there. So it was always a goal of mine and, you know, I had done a ton of research on pop-ups and events and you know, just ways I could start selling and and do, you know, pop-ups in different stores. And ultimately the Bryant Park Holiday Shop was the one that I really wanted to focus on getting into. So definitely it was a lot of research, you know, Googling New York City events and holiday events. And again, just this hunger for wanting to get in front of customers and see, you know, what they resonated with the most to kind of help me build the collection from there. I love that so much. My early days were a lot of pop-ups, a lot of schlepping, (laughs) a lot of traveling, a lot of throwing things in a suitcase, getting on a train. And I would travel to as many as I could. I was literally on the road like four days a week before the you know before and after Bryant Park, just doing tons of events and then also traveling to college campuses and hosting pop-ups there. It was a lot of in person stuff in the beginning.
0: I love that so much because I think that we live in this digital age where we maybe not. An easy button, but we want to just be able to run ads or have a great Instagram account and for that to be able to sell product. And in some situations, it can. But for the very early stages of a business, it really comes down to having those relationships for people to meet the founder, like you've said, to get that customer feedback and kind of a grassroots effort to actually build a customer base. So I'm glad that you talked so much about doing these in-person experiences because I think there's a lot of up and coming e-commerce brands that don't think about that so much. They're really focused mm-hmm. on the digital space and it's probably
1: a big thing that's keeping them from building that business foundation that they need to scale. Exactly. I think during COVID too, I mean 2020 really taught us all that we have to shift to digital if we're going to survive. You know, you you can lose everything if you don't have this digital presence. A lot of our smaller stores that we work with, you know, eventually, you know, launched a website. A lot of them didn't have websites or have a social media presence, and I think you have to have both. I think It's ten years later from when I was doing all of that. And I think a lot has changed in the last decade in terms of even just the capacity with what you can do with social media, the videos, the reels, the TikToks. There's just so much more, you know, that's available now that wasn't available early on when I was just starting out. You know, Instagram, remember like we would overly filter photos with borders and there wasn't that, you know, capacity to do video and, you know, I think you can still grow your brand digitally. But I think there's still something very special about that in-person connection. Because customers that I met 10 years ago are still fans of the brand today. And a lot of that was meeting them in person and and building that rapport. And I think it's really special to have that connection, you know, beyond Yeah, people.
0: it's so important. And I feel like your, your customer lifetime value must be through the roof, you know, when you, with you still having those relationships from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a hard question, but I have to ask, you know, the landscape has changed and you you do need to go digital mm-hmm. in some aspects and in, in some respects so if you were launching the brand today what do
1: you think you would do differently to get it off the ground that's a great question there are so many things i look back and you know i even changed my brand name at one point in time i had a different name and it was a little bit more confusing i think my collection was like way too all over the place i didn't have a streamlined you know i think it was really special and i still to this day will always do like you know one off capsule collections or limited edition or vintage pieces, I think that's so fun. But you know, for me, I learned to really grow and scale the company. I had to have, you know, some like a core line that I could produce for, you know, in the masses for bigger accounts um, to fulfill their orders. So I think like having a more streamlined collection that was easier, having really clear marketing, I think, you know, I also learned a lot the hard way of, you know, having to pivot because initially we were really more of a direct sales business. My vision was to kind of be like a Chloe and Isabel or Stella and Dot for college girls. That was initially my business model was doing this direct sales, having you know college girls sell directly through pop-ups and through the website, through like referral codes. And I wasn't doing wholesale. Um, I think wholesale was really what changed the game for our company, was really pivoting and being three-pronged of having the direct sales as our give back, doing wholesale, and then also having e-commerce. And again, I think if I was launching a brand new business right now, I definitely would focus on the digital presence, having really strong photography, You know, we've definitely upped our game through the years, and, you know, we work with amazing photographers that handle our product photography, our, you know, spring lookbooks. But, you know, I was very crafty and very thrifty early on. I was doing a lot of photo shoots myself with my friends, and, you know, I took the leap. You know, it was very scary to take that leap of investing in like high quality product photos and the website, and, you know, really thinking about unique content that's not just product focus. How do you build a community around it? I think that there were a lot of things like, looking back, I maybe should have invested in sooner, you know, really upping the game with my digital collateral, so to speak. And I think also having like clear messaging and, you know, not having too many skews. I think if I was launching a jewelry brand today, I would, you know, if I was mentoring someone looking to start a company, I would say, keep it simple, focus on your hero products, and then go from there. Don't try to spread yourself too thin with too many skews and investing in inventory and really have your messaging clear so that your customers resonate with your brand. Because I think ultimately brand power is what will set you apart you know there are tons of companies out there making jewelry there are tons of chocolate brands there are tons of sneaker brands like you know you really think about what builds customer loyalty and a lot of it is how they resonate with what you have to say and Mm -hmm. how your packaging is and what your mission is and i think really focusing more on that rather than just the product would be really important hey there it's shauna
0: I wanted to take a quick break from this amazing episode to remind you that the Startup Renegades is not just a podcast, it's also a community. This community is dedicated to educating and connecting entrepreneurs on all things starting up. There, you'll find some great founder fireside chats, some free webinars, and even some three day challenges to help you get your marketing and business goals right. You can find us on Facebook at Startup Growth Academy right now. So head on over. It's free to join. And I can't wait to see you there. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I think that's such a hard thing for people to answer, you know, when they started their business 5, 10, 15 years ago, because they got their start in a much different way where people are starting companies today. And they're like, well, that that's not relevant. Like, you know, Instagram wasn't a thing back then. And now it's super, super hard to do it. So I think all of that is really kind of actionable advice that people can implement for themselves.
1: For sure. I think it's twofold. I think, you know, the benefit of obviously having these social channels is that you can create a business, launch an audience, you know, build your community very quickly versus back before this all existed, having to do more of those in person, you know, hustling, like, you know, really doing word of mouth marketing, like, I feel like now it's much easier. But the caveat to that is that it's a much more saturated market. So you have to be really you know you have to find ways to stand out and i think a lot of it comes down to your mission and your purpose and the way you present something your packaging and your brand experience so there's almost more pressure but it is definitely easier to reach a wide audience and now with influencer gifting and you know there's so many ways you can reach your target market quite quickly versus in the past where it was a little bit more legwork you had to put in yeah. but yeah i definitely think that things have changed and that's part of a big part of the reason why we had to pivot because the in person you know trunk show model wasn't really working anymore. I feel like girls have shifted to shopping online and mm-hmm. and also with covid, I mean 2020 is really what put a wrench in everything because our whole <laughs> model of having these in-person events on college campuses was all shut down. So we had to shift that into being more of a digital experience where it was more of a remote internship focused on, you know, marketing and driving sales to the website versus these in-person pop-ups. So, you know, I think to survive, I think you need to be crafty and and always thinking two steps ahead and and having multi-channels for your business. Because if one of these was to shut down, how would you keep going? So I think it's important to be three-pronged, you know, not just relying on one source.
0: That's so important. I said it on the show and I'll say it again. I think the businesses that survived the pandemic and some that actually did really well throughout the pandemic were the ones that were innovative and really considered like how our society was fundamentally changing and met the customers where they were at in different ways. So I think that's so important. I want to backtrack a little bit to something else that you said that really stuck out to me is you said making the move into wholesale was huge. Why is that? Can you
1: talk to me a little bit about that experience or even wholesale as a strategy? For sure. So Again, when I was first starting out, I had this vision of being more of a direct sales business. And now that has really turned into our mission and our mentorship and our community element is still having you know, a college ambassador network. It's still a big part of our brand identity. But in the beginning, that was my main focus for revenue. It was really this vision of having girls on every campus doing pop-ups and really selling the brand through their friends and family and driving sales to our website, kind of like a younger Stella and Dot. I keep bringing them up because I think that they've done a really good job and they have their target audience with the direct sales model or beauty counter, there's still a bunch of companies that are doing amazing work with kind of having this idea of empowering, you know, the individual to start a business through their business and sell beauty products or um, jewelry, whatever it is. So for me, that was really the initial vision. And I kind of quickly learned early on that it was very hard. (laughs) You can't expect a college girl to invest in buying upfront a kit of jewelry and displays and merchandise. So really, it was like loaning boxes out. So I would spend you know, days on end, had the help of interns. And I had an assistant that would sit with me and package up these jewelry, like essentially a trunk show in a box with displays and inventory. And we would ship them all over to different college campuses where girls would host pop-up. And again, they weren't investing in the inventory. It was really a loan out. So there was less pressure for them to sell things. I think if you're investing in buying a kit, then you want to sell it to make your money back versus loaning things out where there's less pressure for them. But of course, there would be events where they would sell out of everything in that box. And then other times where they wouldn't sell anything. So the amount of effort and, you know, sometimes things would come back tangled, obviously in transit, even if they're doing a good job packaging things up, things would come back, you know, mangled, the displays would get bent. And it just was a lot of work to basically put these bundles together with no initial investment, and just kind of hoping that they'll sell through it. So it was very time consuming. And some events were hit or miss. Not every event was successful. So it was a much longer path. And, you know, mentoring the girls took a lot of time and energy, talking them through sales. We would have this is also before I had the other prongs of my business where I was able to give more time and energy to them one on one mentorship, really training them on how to sell and product knowledge. And, you know, it was a huge time commitment. And this is before I really had someone running that for me. So I think you know realizing how do i really scale and grow in a way that's creating a consistent income the pop-ups are kind of unknown you don't really know what to expect with the event model and being in person and then you know online sales were great but it wasn't enough to really grow into the business i wanted to be and so we had worked with a couple small stores that you know were through word of mouth or connections or intros that i had friends parents that owned a store and then i decided you know what i really want to focus on this this is my background i worked for a small business And I think there's a lot there with getting into wholesale and growing the brand into retail channels. So I applied for my first trade show. This was 2016. So a few years in, I would say four years into growing the business is when I pivoted to wholesale. And then that's when everything changed, doing my first trade show and then doing trade shows after getting into more retail stores. It just grew the brand to a different level. And then you also have the consistent income of stores that are reordering, you know, on a weekly, monthly basis and tons of brand awareness with being in retail stores. You know, we have a couple stores we work with, one of which has 35 locations all over the country. And that's, you know, my brand presence reaching new audiences that I could have never reached before. You know, we have store locations all over the country and it just was a quicker way to grow because they're buying volume. And so that was when I started to see the scale happening. And you know, still had the campus model, but made it more of our mission and our give back than, you know, the focus of revenue for the company. So today, we're actually, our company's 80% wholesale. So 80% of our revenue is more driven through our retail distribution channels. And then with website, you know, our online and our direct sales and in person being a much smaller percentage because we've really been leaned into that. And I think that was a great way to, again, really scale the brand in a much faster capacity while also, you know, if you don't have tons of money to invest in ads and if you're focusing on D2C, you need to have tons of like, you know, marketing budget. And I think getting into retail stores is a way to grow almost more organically and kind of bootstrapping through because you're getting that presence through their customer networks. That's
0: amazing. I think a lot of people want to keep integrity for their brand is the wrong way to say it because, you know, you're brand can have that integrity, but they really want to focus on, on the D to C and they don't really consider wholesale as an option. Now, the way that you kind of got into it was through the trade
1: shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we do the Atlanta gift show, the Atlanta apparel shows we do the New York Now Gift Show and Accessories the Show. And in 2022, we're looking into doing the Vegas and Dallas markets. So, you know, when you're at a trade show, not only is it an amazing exposure for your brand, you're meeting buyers, you know, buyers from the likes of like Bloomingdales to smaller boutiques, to big e-commerce websites. You don't know who you might meet at those shows. And it's also networking, you're getting to meet other brands. And I think that's one of the most special things about doing trade shows is you're getting to network with suppliers, with other designers, with buyers. You're just meeting so many people, and that again, that in person connection is really special. With COVID, you know, we actually did not do any shows, all of that shut down, which was interesting. And learning how to lean into doing more emails and Zoom calls and you know, connecting with buyers in the digital space. But you know, for me, getting into those trade shows and having that presence and meeting people face to face was really how we got into all of our stores. And then from there, it kind of snowballs because through the trade shows, I met sales reps and then hired a sales rep team. Um, that's how my publisher found me was through the New York Now show to publish my book so amazing opportunities have come through those trade shows beyond sales but also through the network that you build so i definitely recommend anyone looking to start an accessories brand or take their business to the next level to look into potentially doing wholesale you know if your margin allows it to really grow your brand because it's a fantastic way and I, and i also love working with our small business owners there's so many amazing you know stores we work with and they're so loyal. And I feel like it's kind of like a family, you know, we've become very close and it's amazing to support them in their business while also having them support us. And it's just been an amazing way of growth for us and something that I'm very passionate about.
0: Yeah. It sounds amazing. And I love how you describe it. Like it's a community, it's a family and it seems like everyone is really supportive. And I love to hear that it's something that made such a big impact in scaling up your business. And you met your publisher at one of these shows. So tell me about
1: the book that you're writing. Yeah. So, oh gosh. So this is such a crazy experience. So this is back in 2019. So a couple years ago now, I was at the New York Now show and my publisher was actually scouting the show for female founded mission driven brands to co-publish a book with. So they specialize in beautiful books for women that are inspirational, coffee table style. And so she had basically found my brand through the roster of the New York Now show and had planned to approach me. And so she came into my booth and she basically asked me, you know, have you ever thought about publishing a book? And, you know, it's something that's a bucket list item for me. You know, it's definitely a dream that I had, but, you know, I had no plans of publishing one sooner. It wasn't like I had a manuscript or had something in mind, but the opportunity was presented and I was like, you know what? Like, I would love to, like, this sounds amazing. And so she was like, I love the mission of follow your bliss and how you're all about empowering girls. You know, let's talk after the show and brainstorm some concepts. So then my wheel started turning, and I'm okay. If I was to create this book, if I was chosen and you know, the steel was signed, like what would this book look like? What would the content be? And for me, it was so natural to think of this concept of including stories of women that have followed their bliss. So, examples from because I think that's the best way to ultimately inspire someone you show them what's possible, you storytell, you tell them what your journey was, you share the how not just where you are today, but how you got there. I think a lot of young women you know, I love reading stories of how someone got to where they are today and kind of sharing that. And the charms in our collection all have different meanings. We have a charm that's called Ride the Wave and one that's Perseverance. We have a charm that's called Wing Woman. So they're all different little inspirational messages that come on our packaging. And I've turned them into chapter titles. And each chapter encompasses three interviews from different women from all different backgrounds, CEOs, activists, entrepreneurs, we have musicians, artists, Um, all different from all different walks of life, sharing their best piece of advice and a chunk of wisdom relating to that core topic. So the book is called Follow Your Bliss. And I'm really proud of it. And just the caliber of women that I had the amazing opportunity to interview for the book, basically all through 2020 is when I was writing. So during lockdown is when I was calling and interviewing and, you know, writing the book, which was actually like the biggest blessing in disguise for me was having that year to write, you know, because the world was on pause and business was on pause and it gave me that creative freedom to focus on the book, which was really one of the positive things that came out of COVID for me personally. It was also yeah. getting to connect with people. But the book, you know, encompasses such amazing, powerful advice and all different stories. And you know, some of the women that I interviewed include Veronica Webb, Gabriella Hurst, Stacy London, um, Cindy Ramirez from Chill House—just incredible women that I've always looked up to that are sharing their piece of advice in the book. So I'm really excited. Um, and it comes out November 30th, and it's actually available for pre-order on Amazon now. And I'm just so excited to bring it out into the world. And I also think that the book is the ultimate way of kind of embodying the mission that we have as a company of inspiring girls to follow their bliss beyond the community, beyond the mentorship, beyond the pieces, is having this book that you know has these 60 stories from 60 women that have done it. So I'm just incredibly excited. And again, that opportunity all came from doing a trade show. So you just never know, you know. I'm so excited you're
0: bringing this book out into the world. We'll make sure that we we link to the pre-order in the show notes. Uh, By the time this episode comes out, it might be time just to order the book itself. (laughs) 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 So I have to
1: ask you, Alyssa, what does being a startup renegade mean to you? Being a startup renegade to me means thinking outside the box. It means being passionate. It means going after your dreams fiercely and not caring about what other people think. You know, it it means really having passion and purpose propel you forward. It means not taking the road often traveled, but taking that path less traveled and, you know, letting your excitement fuel you more than your fears. It means really, you know, daring to be different and pursuing things with your whole heart.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for being here. And can you tell everybody
1: where they can find you online? Yeah. So our Instagram is at FYB Jewelry and our website is FYB Jewelry.com. And my personal Instagram is at Alyssa Kuchta. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. And thank you for the work you're doing. I love your podcast and I'm so honored to be a part of it. Thank you
0: that was this week's episode of startup renegades thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest if you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect you can find me on instagram at shauna.armitage That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade.